read your Bible, and pray every day. It's interesting that when we get to the campers come and I meet with the pastors and get to visit, it's privileged to do this, churches all over New England. You know what pastors are telling me? Rand, oh, if, if, if there was some way I could get my men to just sit down and read the Bible, it would change their lives. That's true. And we give our lives in the summertime to literally encourage kids to read their Bible and pray. We have a word up on the screen. Will you say it with me? Read. Say it again. Read. When you look at it this way, read, examine, apply, and do. Say it with me. Read, examine, apply, and do. Just the men. Just the ladies? Just the pastor? <laughs> and turn to the person next to you and whisper to him. Go. Read, examine, apply, do. How many of you know how to read? Let me see your hands. Sweet. All right, you ready? Now again, 85, 90% of my preaching as a teenager just... Just hang on. So you're going to read this out loud together with me, what I'll put on the screen. But don't try to rush ahead or go behind. Just kind of hang with me here, okay? You ready? If you can read this, you have a strange mind too. Can you read this? Only 55 people out of 100 can. I couldn't believe that I could actually understand what I was reading. The phenomenal power of the human mind. According to a research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter in what order the letters in the word are. The only important thing is that the first and the last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without a problem. This is because the human mind does not read every letter by itself, but the word as a whole. Amazing, huh? Yeah, and I always thought the spelling was important. If you can read that, wow. And even with our kids, those who read, what is it, 20 minutes a day? Well, when it comes to taking a test, the school at all, 90%. Those who only read like five minutes a day drops to 50%. And those who read like one minute a day, I, I don't even know what that is. Maybe the road signs on the way to school, I don't know. <laughs> only 10%. Read, examine, apply. Do. In my hands, I have one of the most precious gifts that God has given us. It's called the Bible. It's called the Word of God. And then God, in His precious Word, encourages us. This was what He had Paul write to the Thessalonians I charge you by who? By the Lord. Paul said, I'm not making this up. This is what God wants me to tell you. That this epistle be read to all the Christians, all the believers, all the holy brethren. What's the best thing you can do for your kids, Dad? Get up every morning, open this precious book, and read it. Bibles in the front lines. Some places it's difficult, dangerous, illegal. Brave men and women are risking arrests beatings, imprisonment, even death 
to get God's word into the hands of those who otherwise may never receive it. And you can see in the drawing here, it's dangerous for the lighter color and then illegal or highly restrictive in the darker and then the real dark one. Basically, if you get caught with a Bible, you could lose your life. The middle picture on the top, these are guys who are risking their lives just to get Bible storybooks and the Word of God into people's hands. And look at the kids' faces. We have kids that come to the wilds of New England almost every week who have never touched a Bible. I have a whole stack in my office that we give to them, and they have their own. Look at the smiles, look at the faces. And we have 10 or 15 sitting on shelves. We have them on our phones and our iPads. And still, Fox News and games get far, far, far more time than the Word of God gets. So when it comes to simply reading the Word of God, why don't we? Do we all know it's important? Yeah. Do we all know we should? Yes. Why don't we read the Word of God? Busyness? Maybe we should ask the question, what should I not do? I'm sure many of us are extremely busy. Get up early in the morning, work, and tired, and we're so busy. So we're too, too busy for God. If we're too busy, quote unquote, for God, then there's probably something we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. If we're honest, it's just kind of laziness. Why do I put off reading? Why read the book when you can watch the movie, okay? Just watch Chosen a couple times and then you got it taken care of. (laughs) Selfishness. Why do I do what I do every day? You talk about what you think about and you think about what you love. You talk about what you think about and you think about what you love. Guys, have you ever just grabbed your phone after a precious time of devotions in the morning, quiet time, and just text your wife or your kids, say, honey, oh, God showed me in in Psalm 23 that he really does care. Did you ever do that? Do you even talk about what God is teaching you? Kids, let me tell you what I learned this morning when I spent some time with God. You talk about what you think about, and you think about what you really Really, really love. Read, examine, apply, do. Say it with me. Read, examine, apply, do. Why should we? You see, Rand, um, if I read the Bible, then that'll make me like really, really spiritual. Uh-uh. Rand, I, I, just to be successful, because a chapter a day will keep the devil away. No, 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 no. This is, this is not a checklist thing. You don't do it. You don't do devotions. You spend time with God. Okay? There's a difference. You don't say, I've read my chapter and I've prayed through my prayer list and so. No, 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 no. That's not the issue here. Why? Why? Let me share why. Because I love the Lord. And he wants me to. Jesus said, behold, where he starts, I'm sorry, as many as I love, 
I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, be hot, be fervent, be intense, therefore. And when you're not doing what is right, turn, repent. And then he said this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. By the way, it's a pretty picture of salvation, but that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse was written to a church who got too busy for God. This verse is written to a church who at one point really, really loved him, and then they got so busy with life and things and stuff that they forgot to spend time with him. He's knocking on the door of an apathetic heart. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, if you remember that old famous picture, okay, and I know you up front wanted me to fix that carpet, okay, that famous old picture of Christ in the garden, do you remember that? If you look real closely, there's no doorknob. He doesn't force his way in. Why? I mean, that's not, God doesn't want to populate heaven with a bunch of, like, well-programmed robots or empty-headed puppets. Robots are really cool. Teens know that. Kids know that. R2, D2, 3CPO, Optimus Prime, come on. Who else can be a tractor trailer and a robot at the same time? And today you can program robots to do just about anything. You can program them to quote the Bible in like 45 different languages. Uh, you can hook them up to a drone to drop them off at church. Every single Sunday morning, I'll get a hair so it does ring. Every Sunday morning, and then and, and even Wednesday nights, and always be there 15 minutes. Right? You can hook them up to your bank account to make sure that they're tithing. But you know what a robot cannot do? Do you know what AI cannot do? They can't love. You can't program love. You can't mandate love. Lord, what is the greatest of all the commandments? To love God. With all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And when you really, really, really love somebody, you want to spend time with them. And Jesus says, I'm knocking on the door of your heart that has gotten a little bit too busy and too distracted. Because I want to spend time with you. I do. If you just open the door, I will come in. I'm going to sup. We get our word supper. It literally means to feast or to banquet or to dine, okay? My favorite meal of the whole year is coming up. It's called Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I love Thanksgiving dinner because the kids come. You don't have to worry about the presents. The grandkids are there. I get up early with my wife, and we get that old turkey out. And she, I don't know why, but she takes handfuls of mayonnaise and slathers it all over the outside and puts it and makes it real brown, toasty, or whatever. And she always pats it and says, thank you for giving your life for us. Okay. So we put it in the oven at about 5.30, 6 o'clock, and then about, what, 10.30, 11 o'clock, you start to smell it. Oh, and then you're so hungry. And I mean, now the kids are there and the turkey is out there and the, and the sweet potatoes and the stuffing and the green beans. And, and I'm, there's pumpkin pie. I'll save this much room. And it just looks so good. I'm thinking, I regret. I have but one stomach to give for this meal, you know. Oh, it looks so good. And you know what we do as a family? 
We do. We sit down and we start talking and eating and laughing and talking and eating. And our Thanksgiving meal sometimes goes an hour and a half or two hours long. I love it. And you know what we do with God? We go through McDonald's drive through and we get something quick and fast and easy and pretend that we have supped with him. We don't. Man, I'm, okay, I'm your friend. I am, man. But I'm a guy. I got a Jeep. I got a truck. Sadly, we spend more time and money on our truck than we do in our relationship with God. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? Why? Read, examine, apply, do. Say it. Read, examine, applied. And don't make it hard. Read a New Testament letter once a day for 30 days. Like you take the book of Philippians, the outrageous secret of outrageous contagious joy, okay? It'll take you nine minutes and 30 seconds. You say, oh, man, I'm kind of busy. Well, then do Philemon. That takes a minute and 45 seconds, okay? You read Philippians through on the first day of the month and the second day and the third day and the fourth day all the way to the end. It's like your friend by the end of the month. Break a gospel down to three or four sections like the gospel of Mark. It's the shortest one. And I don't know exactly how old Mark was when he wrote it, but I think he had to be a teenager because he just uses the word and all the time. Jesus walked on water and he healed a a blind man and he fed 5,000. He was just so excited. Read about Bible topics. Hey, Dad, you ready for when your son comes to you and says, Dad, I need some help. I saw some stuff online that's really, really bad. I know it's bad, but I want to look at it again. Mom, what do you do when your daughter comes to you crying, saying, I'm invisible, I'm worthless. Nobody in the world likes me. I don't even know if I want to live. Are you ready to take the word of God and answer questions that deal with fear and thought life and anger and stress? Read about Bible characters. It's fun. I love, I'm just finishing the study on Daniel. I have 38 daily meditations on him. Can't wait to meet him. I wonder what it's going to be like. In the millennium, we're going to, I'm going to find out where he hangs out and go to that coffee shop. No, it won't be Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts. It'll probably be like, I don't know, Hebrews or something like that. Okay. But anyway, I, I'm sure more people will ask Daniel about his time in the lion's den than his time praying on his knees. Read chronologically each year. Takes you about 15 minutes a day. You can read the entire Bible. I love a chronological Bible. You start walking through, you get all the history, and then when you get into, you know, like, like the Samuels and the Chronicles, and all of a sudden you're seeing the, the actual the Psalms that David was praying and using at that time, and then you get into the prophetic time. Before you know it, okay, you're all ready to end that whole, you get to Ezra and Nehemiah, they got the city built, and you go a couple hundred years, there's nothing written. Then you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's like ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, and they're telling you what's going on in life. You go to the book of Acts, and as you're reading through, you find out where Paul is in Philippi and Thessalonica, and you're reading all those books together. You get a little bit about what Peter, after God changed his heart, and Jude, and then you're at Revelation. Then it says, even come so quickly, Lord Jesus. Every time I do a chronological Bible, I cheat. 
because I'm supposed to quit. And I think I want to find out what happens at the end of the story and keep going. I get done like in August, okay? Read. Read the precious word of God. Read, examine, apply, do. Say it. Read, examine. As you read, examine, examine this book. Again, if you just read to say you've read, that's not what we're doing. And, and it's really not that hard. Even back in Nehemiah's time, they read in the book of the law distinctly. They wanted to read God's law distinctly. And then they slowed down and talked to their kids and their friends and gave the sense. That's what your pastors do all the time. And cause them to understand the reading. So as you're reading through this, if they went to all that, what do we need to do? We need to be private investigators. Who, what, when, where, why, how? Why was this book written? To whom was it written? I think somebody's going to start a study on Titus. Is that right? Titus. Living a God-centered life in a very self-centered world. You go to that island filled with a bunch of criminals and party goers. And... Titus, you need to fix some of this. In fact, I want you to go after those false teachers twice, but then stop because blitz the entire island with so many truth tellers that those guys will disappear. It's a really exciting book on how you can live a Christ-centered life. Read, examine, apply, do. Say it. This is the one we don't like to do. Because if I read it, then I can say, okay, I'm right with God. And all of a sudden, he tells me that I'm supposed to, like, not be harsh with my wife. And let no corrupt communication proceed out of my mouth. And actually love people that hate me. And pray for people that despitefully, whoa, God, you're asking a bit much here. The application gets tough. You know this. Say it with me. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. What does that mean? Tell me. What does it mean? To be what? God breathed. What does God breathe mean? <laughs> to be inspired. All right, everybody in this room, right now, you are now 14 years of age, okay? Take your hand, every one of you, and put it in front of your mouth. Do it with me. Do it. Repeat after me. Peter picked a peck of pickled peppers. How many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? Did you feel that? Did you smell that? Okay. <laughs> you cannot speak without breathing out. And God spoke and he breathed out these words and then he asked Moses and David and Isaiah and Matthew and John to write them down for us. And he puts them in one book. It's called The Precious Word of God. God sent this book to us. And what does he want us to understand? He wants us to read about the doctrine to find out what is right. The reproof, what is wrong. The correction, how can I make the wrong right? And then the instruction in righteousness, how can I keep it right? So I can read and apply this wonderful book so it literally changes my life. Just the men, say it with me. Read, examine, apply. Okay. 
what about to do? Are you living according to the word of God? Um, how, now, don't even raise your hands. Those of you who are getting like up there in years, those of you who have had way too many birthdays like me, okay? Um, do you ever find like it's a little bit harder to memorize? A little bit harder to remember things? And your retention level is like, how many of you love your pastor and his preaching? How many of you love, okay? How many of you right, could tell me right now what he preached on six weeks ago on a Sunday morning? Jesus, there you got it. <laughs> what is the secret of re- retention? Well, I found this. There's auditory, visual, and kinesthetic, okay? It, it, pa- pastor, it's to, under, to think that everything we prepare for and study for 20, 25 hours that they're only going to get like 5%. That's scary. So I'm going to put it on a screen and at least make them read it with me. Audiovisual, now I'm up to 20% retention. Now if I can demonstrate by making you guys irritated with me to keep saying read, examine, apply, do, maybe I can bump it to 30. We keep talking about this and thinking about it. I'll call it discussion. Guys, if you would go home and read your Bible, one more step. If you would go home and teach your kids and your grandkids how to read their Bible, now we're up to 90%. Wow. That's pretty cool retention. This study took about three years, and I understand they spent over $2 million. I wish they would have called me. I would have done it for one million. (laughs) Retention. Be doers of the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. You're just fooling yourself. If we come to this church and pastor pours his heart out, like tonight on prayer, and then we never pray. It doesn't even really make sense because we know what to do and we don't do it. Wow. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. I love the way Joshua put it. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe, said next two words, to do. How do you do the word of God? Meditate. Think about it. Mull it over and over. Say, Rand, I'm busy. I need to be successful. I need to be prosperous. Wait a minute. You do what you've been meditating on. Then what it says. Then. I shall make their way prosperous. Then you can have good success. Do. Say the first verse with me. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. How many of you believe that verse is true? Let me see your hands. Sweet. I'm almost done. I'm going to go around and I want to pick on maybe five or six of you. Stand up and I want you to share with all of us one or two of the verses you've been memorized in your personal devotion the last couple of weeks. Because whatever you're memorizing on, it'll be a great blessing. Now, okay, let's start over here with, uh, hmm, everybody's looking away from me all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm not going to call on anybody. Why? Because it might be pretty quiet in here. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. And we still struggle with stinking thoughts. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. And still we get so upset with our husbands or kids. And Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. 
Because when the word of God crawls into your hearts and you have thought about it, memorized it, and even meditated on it, and then when your kid or your husband or your wife says something, oh, Rand, be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Okay, let's talk about this. See the difference? I will meditate in thy precepts, have respect unto thy ways. Meditation. Agricultural term, of course. How many of you live on a farm? Let me see your hands. Oh, boy. How many have ever been on a farm? <laughs> How many have ever sang Old MacDonald had a farm, okay? All right. Pastor, I grew up working on a farm, taking care of guys' cattle and all that. And, and I'll make this real easy for everybody, okay? The girl cows, those ones we get the milk from, you know, white ones, white milk, black ones, chocolate milk, you know, all that. They get up early in the morning, they eat the grain, they eat with the grass. And, and if they eat early in the morning and they get hungry again about 10 o'clock, they don't have to go eat again. This is the way God made cows. They meditate, not meditate, they ruminate or they chew their cud. You know that phrase. So what they do is they eat at 6. And then at 10, they burp that food back up into their mouth and chew it up again, swallow it, and literally put it in another stomach. They get hungry, 2.30, 3 o'clock. They just take the same food and puke it back up in their mouth, chew it up again, swallow it. Ladies, aren't you glad that God made cows like cows and not men like cows? We could be here right now and they're thinking, how long is Rand going to go? I'm getting kind of hungry. Oh, that's right, this morning, honey nut Cheerios. (laughs) Bring it on. Okay, we don't do that. But the reason the cow chews her cut is she wants to get every nutrient out of it. And she chews it over and over and over and over and over. That's meditation. One word at a time. Stop at every comma and every period. Yeah. The Lord. The only Lord, Master, is, not is going to be, not was, is, my. My shepherd is mine. Whoa. Like I have this personal relationship with this Shepherd is going to feed me and put it on my head so the bugs don't get after me and make sure the wolves are, whoa. You could spend a half hour and the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. And then what? I would delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word right in the middle of a passionate argumentative time. I will not forget thy word right in the middle of a, I am worthless, I'd rather just die. I'm so anxious and depressed. Right in the middle of the greatest trial or the most difficult temptation. I remember. I don't forget. Now that will only happen if we do what God wants us to do and memorize and meditate. Then we can master it. It's it's not rocket science there. How do you memorize? Read. Say, Rand, I'm old, I can't. I'm not asking you to memorize. I'm asking you to read. You want to, quote unquote, memorize Psalm 23, Romans 12? All you have to do is this. Read it five times a day for 30 days. Read it five times. Just read it. About day 26, you're thinking, I don't even need to look down. At the end of the 30 days, you can lay in bed at night when you can't go to sleep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my, yeah. 
Read. How do you meditate? I don't understand. I don't have the tools. Read. Read. How do you master it? Read. Read, examine, apply, do. Say it with me. Read, examine, now, with that in mind, what's the best thing we can do for our kids? Read, examine, apply, do, but they sang it to us this morning. Did you notice I didn't ask them which, between mom and dad, read the Bible the most or pray most intensely? But I hope they could tell me. Do your kids know that you spend time in the Word of God? I hope so. Read your Bible and pray every day. This week I was just reading through Scripture and I noticed something in this passage in Matthew 6. Three times. Matthew 6, 5, Matthew 6, 6, and Matthew 6, 7. Three times. Jesus said, when you pray, he didn't tell it. He didn't even say pray. When you pray, I mean, I know God who knows all doesn't assume anything, but... So, men, does your wife assume that you pray for her and the kids? Wives, do your kids who are grown and have their own kids assume that you're praying for them? Can I assume that you guys are praying for your pastor families? When you pray... Jesus, I'll tell you how not to pray. Don't be as a hypocrite. They love standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. It's one Greek word, theaomai, which means where we get our word theater. And those who pray in public but not in private, it's a big show. It's pretend. It's not what's really in the heart. They'll have the reward. What is the reward? They were solved men. That's it. Okay, big deal. But when you pray, he even tells us where to pray. You enter into your closet, okay? That secret room. Why? Because your shoes will not talk back to you. And you don't have to turn down the sweaters because they're too loud. You find a place that you can pray to God in an unhindered and an unhurried way. Yeah. Learn to talk to God and look forward to it. You pray to your Father who's in secret, He'll reward you openly. But when you pray, Jesus said, please don't use these practiced, pretend religious phrases that you tell me all the time. Pastor, I hope you have a good day. I really hope you have a good day. Do you, are you having a good day? I hope you have a good day. That's good, because a good day is a good day to have. And so I hope you had a good day yesterday, and I hope you have a good day tomorrow. And uh, really, and I hope I have a good day today because I hope we all have a good day. Okay. If I, I say, Randy, you okay? Now, please, please don't be offended. I, I want to help you. Listen to what you say to God. If I ask probably 10 people to stand up and pray right now in public, the first thing you would hear is, Lord, we thank you for this day. <laughs> we tell him that every time we talk to him. Every time. Is it good to be thankful for the day? Yes, don't take me wrong. Why do we say we're thankful for this day? Because we're trying to think of what to say. 
We have a lot of practice religious phrases. No offense, but the teens tell me, Dad, that for some of you, they can lip sync to your prayers at a meal. They know exactly what you're going to say, what words, what phrases, and how you're going to say it. Because you say the same thing every single time. Even the phrase in Jesus' name, amen. We need to pray in the name of Jesus, okay? But at camp, if I get up in the dining hall at a meal and say, it's like Pavlov's dog. They pull their chairs out and they're eating before I can say amen. I don't start many meals, but if I pray for a meal, I always do it this way. As we pray in the name of Jesus, is he done yet? Amen. I trick him every single time. Have you gotten robotic, repetitive, extremely redundant in your, mess, in your praying to God? Because you say the same thing every time. That's vain, repetitious praying. So he tells us how to pray. After this manner, he even tells us who to pray to. Our Heavenly Father. Paul did and Jesus did. And when I pray to our Father, it depends on the day. Because some days it's my wonderful, precious Heavenly Father. And other times, my loving, oh, patient Heavenly Father, why do you put up with me? Who do you pray to? Again, please, what I'm about to say, I don't want to offend anyone. But our kids need to learn how to pray, and the only way they're going to learn how to pray is to listen to us talk to God, okay? I'm in a different church almost every Sunday of my life, and I've heard some doozies. Father God, we pray, Lord, that the Word of God would be powerful, God, and we pray, Father God, that the... Okay. Uh, Dan, I was wondering, Dan, if Dan is happy today, Dan. Are you, Dan? I hope so, Dan. Because, Dan, I'm happy, Dan. I want you to be happy, Dan. So I'm glad, Dan. Thank you, Dan, for letting me come to Dan's church. And by the way, I really like Dan's shirt. Because Dan's shirt, I like the color of Dan's shirt there. All right. Would I ever, ever do that to you? No! Father God, Lord, we pray, Lord, that one of our staff prayed at a meal, lunch, at camp. I heard it. Next day, I said, hey, go pray. He said, I prayed yesterday. Go. I'm busy. I was busy because I had a three-by-five card and a pen. I put a little slash mark. He said, Lord, 41 times in one lunch prayer. Lord, we pray, Lord, that Lord. Remember who you're talking to. Boy, Dan, I really like Dan's shirt. If I'm talking about you, that's okay. If I'm talking to you, it's not. Hey, Dan, I like your shirt. Please, don't take this to see. Please, just understand the intent of what I'm trying to share. Father, we thank you for the word of God and pray. Here's the difference. Father, thank you for your word. Now I'm talking to God. When you examine your praying and you study it, you'll be shocked. But you learn to talk to God, to slow down, to think about what you're saying. And after a while, I can hear your little kids who are downstairs talking. Well, one little guy says, oh, when you, you ought to hear my dad pray. When he prays, it's like, it's almost like he's really talking to God. Wouldn't that be cool? Our Father, you're real. 
you're in heaven. I am not going to use your name in an unholy, unthinking, repetitive, religious way. I'm going to talk to you. Hallowed be your name. Lord, I wish you'd come back. Like now. Like in the next 10 minutes. I was driving home last night from a pastor's meeting. The clouds were so cold. I said, Lord, are you behind that one? I hope so. But if you don't come back today, could you help us to do your will on earth just like you want us to do in heaven? I want to do your will. What is the will of God? This is the will of God, even your sanctification. You abstain from fornication. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. His will is all over his word. Give us this day our daily bread. We don't pray this one anymore. Remember the children of Israel going across the desert? What did God send every morning? Manna. What is manna? It means what is it? And it, it was sustenance. They get an omer that's about the size of a two-liter bottle. Have you ever studied what it tastes like? One place the Bible says it's sweet as honey. The other place it tastes like fresh oil. That's a Boston cream donut, okay, every morning. And then at night, what did he send at night? The quail, remember? Chicken and biscuits every day. That's not bad, okay. But if you didn't get up every morning, you'll get it, you'd have none. These people, by praying for daily bread, knew what it meant to be God-dependent every day. And we have these things called cupboards and freezers and grocery stores and McDonald's that we don't need to pray every day. Even though we have kids and maybe grandkids and neighbors that don't know God. And we're not even crying and depending on him daily for that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. If you're not right with anybody on this earth, you're not right with God. Teens, if you're not right with mom and dad, you're not right with God. Men, if you're not right with your wife, you're not right with God. Ladies, if you're not right with your husband or your kids, you're not right with God. If you come to the altar to pray and you have ought, the Bible says, anything against them, leave your gift. Don't pray. Don't sing. Don't worship. Go make it right. Then come back and worship me. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you forgive not men, the trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. I think some of us have very anemic prayer lives because of this one principle. Is there anyone on this earth you refuse to forgive? Lord, lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil or even from the evil one. There's a curse on our world, big time. It is a yucky, yucky world for kids to grow up in. Lord, protect them. Keep us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's put it this way. My loving, wonderful, heavenly Father, please keep me in your will today. Help me to depend on you today. Forgive me. Help me to forgive others. Lord, please, please keep me from sin and thank you. Thank you for being such a wonderful, powerful God. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow.
Let's pray. Before I pray, I don't know if maybe the piano can quietly play. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. I am going to give an invitation, and I want the invitation to last for four months. September, October, November, December. Let's just, let's just take this chunk of time because the snows are going to come and the fires are going to get hot and you don't need to go outside. You can open your Bible with a good cup of coffee by in front of your fireplace and you will not have devotions. You'll spend time with your God. A God who loves you and did everything he could for your sins to be separated because the wage of sin is death. And Jesus died. And if I don't trust in the death of Jesus, there'll be eternal death for me. If I try to live my life totally separate from God, leave me alone, God, leave me alone. He may just leave me alone both now and for eternity. You might even be here and say, Rand, I don't even know God. I promise if you would read through the book of John, you'd find out what Jesus did for you real quickly. You want your kids to stay close to God? You want them to be faithful in their time with God and reading and praying? I'm telling you, spending time with God is contagious. If you want your kids to catch it, if you do, They're going to have to learn it from you. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to keep our heads bowed. Pastor will come. He'll close the service. I am here for you guys today by God's grace, but I'm here for your kids. And they got a tough world that they're being begged to believe lies. Let's study and get them into the truth so they know that and refuse to believe the lies. Father, We all fail in this. There's none of us in this room that pray like we should. That set aside that unhurried and unhindered time with you. And there's, there's probably very few of us, there's some I'm sure, but that spend the time in your word like we should. So we kind of like are acquainted with you, but don't know you well. So please, convict our hearts. Not, not even just today in this service. Father, we need you to do this like daily until it becomes such a, a, a habit in our life that we can't even think about existing a day without spending time with you. So you've got to help us, Lord. Convict us, make us miserable, whatever it takes that we can get our refocus on your precious word and talk into you in the privilege of prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you love us this much. Please, challenge our hearts. And I'm thinking even as these guys go through Titus and pastor through this book on prayer, may this be a changing point in so many individual lives here at this church. And I pray that you would do that. Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Pastor, would you come?